What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby. And these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life. It chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington. And I'm Barry Horn. Simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. I am Barry Horn. And joining us in the studio today, uh, we have a couple of uh, UNT guests here today. Uh, One is uh, actually a student there, uh, Jonathan Williams, the junior broadcasting major, who's shadowing our podcast today. Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. You're, you're very welcome. Glad to have you here. Here, Also here, someone who said that they went to UNT. Uh, we don't have been so record. long ago, there's no record. <laughs> Let me ask you this. How much did you pay per credit when you were at UNT? It was actually like Texas Normal School, I think, when I <laughs> what it was called when I went. Or NTSU, right? In the 30s. That's yeah. David Moore. I can tell you exactly right now, because you know, uh, I started out at, at, the, at the fine academic institution, San Jacinto College. My first semester, 18 hours, cost me $72, $4 an hour. Well, would you, would you like another story about sure. early? I, uh, while a journalism major and a radio TV film double major at North Texas, one semester I won the Phyllis George Scholarship. Phyllis George? Did you present it? It paid. No. We, we, we exchanged there were letters, something called letters back in those days. We what exchanged was letters. That? that was before text or emails. But that scholarship was $250 for a semester. It paid for my 18 hours and all of my books, <laughs> and I still had enough left over to go get a burger at the uh, Texas Pickup. <laughs> now you can just get the burger. <laughs> Jonathan, is, what, what, is, what is, do you think you're 250 paying? $250 would get you through a semester now, don't you think? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't even buy you a couple of books. <laughs> no. Couldn't even buy you Starbucks for a semester. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's how old we are, Jonathan. Here is here is your future in front of you at this table, John. It's not pretty. <laughs> he's going. He's going right back to UNT. He's changed his major. I'm going to be a business major. He's going to go back and say, "This is the most valuable thing that I have learned." It might be. What am I doing? <laughs> what in the world? What, what was I thinking? That's right. Do do something else. All right. All right. We're handling now. We've had a uh, a Cowboys podcast, uh, which David was our expert for, and then we had a uh, college. Uh, basketball, basketball final podcast four, uh, talking tournament. about the Sweet 16 and the Final oh. Four. And why don't we do baseball now where Evan won't be our expert? Yeah. Evan that Grant. Makes sense to me. Evan Grant, the godfather of the podcast, uh, said he was too busy for us today out in Arizona. <laughs> uh, got too much Gosh. stuff going on and decided that, you know, uh, I don't need you guys. And uh, and so he's he's off gallivanting around. Surprise, Arizona today. 
but uh, he did tell me that we should talk uh, first of all, first and foremost, which is really the only thing he said. Was, so he told us what we have to talk about. He, he's he did. Not gonna be he, here. T- he texted yeah. us. Yeah. Said that we should talk about the closer situation. Which is this? There they is no closer. There is no closer. They don't have one. You know, Greg Holland is still out there. Greg Holland, who had 41 saves last year, can't get a job. This is the very weird dynamic we have in uh, Major League Baseball now. Now, how is that possible? It is possible because uh, the owners will say there is not collusion, and that is bull. This is this is clearly collusion at this point. If you have, if you are not uh, first of all, uh, you know, uh, Lance Lynn just got a job a couple of weeks ago. Alex Cobb's still without a job. He's He may be signing any moment. Uh, but uh, the fact that, that pitchers of that quality were available and that no one signed them, or they signed them late. Uh, Lance Lynn signed a one-year deal with Minnesota for $12, $12 million. That's Andrew Kashner money. That's who the, the Rangers signed Andrew Kashner last year, who was just pretty much on, on the trash heap. And they took him, and he had a good year. Uh, and so then they signed him, and the Orioles have, have signed him now. Uh, but the fact that uh, that Lance Lynn, who's a much more accomplished pitcher and, and closer to his prime than Andrew Kashner is, mm-hmm. uh, could, had to settle for a one-year $12 million deal tells you settle. what's going on. So, you know, the, the union met – relative. Tony Clark, uh, the union, uh, the head of the players' union, met uh, with uh, the Rangers, as a matter of fact, I believe either yesterday – Earlier this week, right? Or the yeah. day, day before – and talking about these things. And, uh, you know, there's even some rumblings about, you know, fellas, we need to all remember this. And uh, when the next CBA comes up, maybe we'll think about, you know, sitting out. Uh, I don't, they're not really threatening to strike. Nobody wants to do that. But uh, to me, this was just inexcusable. And now the, the Rangers' complaint will be the reason why they didn't sign Greg Holland, even though they don't have a closer, is that, you know, uh, they're, they're saying we're not tanking. But as I put it early on, and I'm sticking to this, they've they've waved the white flag on this season. There's a difference between tanking and saying waving the white flag. To me, tanking is that you get rid of everybody. You know, they they would they were done what Miami has already done and got rid of all of its of its high priced talent and got what they could for it. But I, I'm telling you right now, with this season holds up the way I think it will, and if there are let's say there are ten games out at the All Star break. Then everybody's gone. Let me ask you this: What do you think it would cost to sign Greg Holland for one year? For one year, I think you could probably get him. I bet you could get him for one year and fifteen million. Is, is that too much money for a for, for a, a team a, to a guy to who had forty one saves last year? For a team to pretend that they want to be respectable. You know, here's the thing about the Rangers this year, and it is striking to me. Okay, clearly the problems last year were the bullpen blew up. That was the number one problem. The bullpen just blew up. It was a problem from day one, you know, and it continued throughout the season. It got a little bit better towards the end, but it was still a problem. You know, Greg Holland is up. I think Greg Holland's 32 maybe, and that's the one that people don't want to give him a long-term deal. But he had 41 saves last year. This is a proven closer. Uh, there's nothing more demoralizing to a, a team than the, to go into the ninth inning with a lead and the guy blows it. That That is the most demoralizing thing that can happen on a baseball field. So uh, to have a guy who – the great thing about a guy having a guy like that is it pushes everybody back one. Right. You know, And when you do that, now everybody looks better in their role than they did before because that is, as it is now, uh, I think they'll have a, 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 a bullpen by committee. And, and I think the number one guy up will be Keone Kella. And, and he would be the closer, but he has continuing shoulder problems. He's had he had problems this spring, and they just feel like he can't go on back to back days very often. 
But I think he will be he will be up there. Jake Diekman will probably close some games at some point if Tim Lincecum. That's makes, the name. I, th- I think. Back. I think the Rangers are secretly counting on. Well, I don't know if they're counting on. They well, they're hoping for. Uh, they would that's, like to see that's that. That's their dream. I don't think that was their thought going in. I don't think they thought of him as a closer. I think they thought of him as what Matt Bush will be, which is a two inning bridge guy, which is a very valuable become a very valuable thing in sure. baseball now, especially it when you're. When your starting rotation looks to be as weak as this one is going to be, you need to have guys who can go multiple innings. So uh, the, I, I think the the composition of this of this staff uh, and the bullpen, um, the rotation is pretty set. I mean, you, we know who those guys are going to be. It's going to be Cole Hamels, in no particular order, Cole Hamels will start opening day. Then after that, it will be Matt Moore and Mike Miner and uh, Doug Fister, who didn't have a good day yesterday. And uh, then, uh, then Martin. But he didn't give up any walks. Martin, yeah, he gave up. <laughs> it, what was it? Three innings. He gave up. I think ten, ten hits. hits. <laughs> ten. Oh, I think but was, no walks. I yeah. think it was two and a third innings. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It was, it was a but nice no walks. A nice day. No now I will say this: he's a pitch to contact guy, so he's going to give up a lot of ground balls, uh, and people are going to put the ball in play. It's going to. They're going to count on this defense to back him up. Uh, but Doug Fister is no longer in his prime, as is almost no one on that staff, except for perhaps Martin but, Perez. But, but there's no the, one on this podcast either. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, that goes without saying. Or ever had a prime, if you want yeah, to get into that. Yeah. But to go back where you're talking about the difference in, in tanking and, and, and raising the white flag, I guess the, the question I would broach would be, as an organization, if you felt you were developing or you had a, a, a pitcher or two you identified that you could develop as a closer this year, I have no problem not signing a Holland. Right. But if you don't feel that person is currently on the roster and you just don't want to spend 14 or $15 million to bring in a proven closer when that was such an issue for you last year, that's not even, that's not even raising a white flag. That's just making a financial decision. We're going to save this money down the road. We won't want to pour any more into this year's team. It, but but it does overlook, like you say, people always talk about progress in developing people, but you still have to win at a certain level to develop the culture and attitude you want going forward. And like you say, if you continually uh, give up games, I mean, what does that do for? Especially in a look, there's nothing worse than than falling behind early in a baseball season and then being faced oh. with like a hundred and. And ten games that you know were meaningless. I mean, there is no other sport mentally that wears on you in my mind like baseball. Or, if, or, if you get or off fans, what about start. the what about the exactly. fans? What about you know the, the welcome back to the eighties? Well, yeah, it was. But but how much of this year too? It's just like you know what? Let's hold this back until we move into the new stadium. Or, or we get closer to, and then then we'll start pouring the money back into the product. And they also look clubs have to be concerned about that perception as well. Well, not not only that, is, are the Rangers up against a salary cap here. Is is the salary cap an issue that you deal with? In, in, no, no. It, and you know what, fifteen million dollars is chump change. Well, I don't know if it's chump. It change. is. It is. Well, I, it is to Barry. I, I will say it this is to me and the Ranger owners. <laughs> Here's what kind of came clear to me a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this issue and and why why didn't the Rangers? Pers- my point was uh, has all along been why not sign you, Darvish? You could have got him for the Cubs got him for six years, one hundred and twenty six million, so it came out to twenty one million a year which is far less than what we thought he was going to get at this time last year. At this time last year we thought he would sign it would it would it might take um, you know 5 years 
uh, and uh, thirty million, one hundred fifty million to get him. So the the Cubs got him for a lot less than that. You know, my, my thinking was is that here's a guy who could bridge that gap for you between this time now when you're not going to be very good and he would still be around four years from now and still should be fairly productive four years from now, uh, you would think, uh, when uh, you've developed some of these young pitchers, hopefully, that you are bringing up in the farm system who are unfortunately at the lower levels of that system. So that that was that was and and you were going to get a guy and the reason I would say that about Darvish is that this is a guy who has pitched here who has had success here and who likes it here and who wanted to come back that's a very rare thing among free agent pitchers in this market they don't they don't want to pitch mm-hmm. in the ballpark it's hot it's a hitter's ballpark it's a tough place to pitch and that's why it's so difficult for them to attract free agents so I felt like they had to do that. But not only did they not do that, they didn't do Lynn or Cobb or any of these other people. And it finally came clear to me that uh, the, the reason they, they didn't do that because, one, they, they were thinking about this six-man rotation, which which Jeff Bannister says not to call the six-man rotation. So it's, we're calling it five, five, plus, five plus, plus one. Or I, I've been calling it an expanded rotation, whatever you want to call it. Because they they were they really were intrigued by this thing. And, and so if you, if you bring in a Lynn or a Cobb, you know, Darvish would have been fine with it because he pitched on he pitched Japan. once a week in Japan, mm-hmm. and he and he and his numbers were better, and he has embraced that role. The Angels are doing that because of Shohei Otani for the same reason. You know that they're they're doing the six man rotation to accommodate him. So, uh, and and in uh, Tampa Bay, they're they're going to actually a four plus one where they're going to have four starters, and then they're going to dump the, ro- the the bullpen on the fifth day. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Kevin Cash was one of the finalists for the job here. In this market, uh, John Daniels is looking for a manager who's willing to think outside the box mm-hmm. and try different things because it is so difficult to find pitching uh, and starting pitching in particular. It's so difficult for this club in particular to find starting pitching. And, but, and now to go back real quick, just now you go to the minor league level where two guys they were hoping to develop this year are out. Yeah. Are injured. Yeah, they're, going to, they're losing Cole Reagans, which that's a real uh, – Talk about a setback. I mean, nothing you do this year from a pitching standpoint really helps you going forward. No, Hans Kra- I think Hans Kraus probably has a higher ceiling than than uh, Cole Reagans does. But uh, Cole Reagans is probably – he's one of their top two. I, I think he's really probably was uh, – they're, they're really close, those guys. And, and for him to miss an entire season and, you know, I'm part of the next – that's a huge blow for them. So that sets the timetable back on everybody, mm-hmm. too. And, and, you know, here's the thing. There are no guarantees with any of these guys. Sure. And that's the problem in baseball and pitching, and pitching in particular. That's why you have to have so many pitchers. But the thing is, is if you, you just have to hit on a couple. If you get, if you get one, you know, you, yeah. got him, you could have him for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So it just makes up for everything. So that, that was, these are all the problems. I believe that what the, what's going to happen here is that if the if the Rangers are out at the at the All Star break, they're gonna they're gonna dump everybody. Cole Hamels goes, and then and and then we'll we'll see all these all these pitchers that they sign on these cheap deals. All of them go. I mean, I, I, I think hey, that, Adrian Beltre goes too, right? Well, here, here's the problem with with, with trading Beltre. You're not going to get anything for him. You, you, the only reason you're going to trade Adrian Beltre at that point is if he says I want to go. Well, if, if, if there's a team in desperate need. Who thinks he's the if he's if there's a team who determines and you only need one team to determine that he's a difference maker he's the guy that can get us if over he, the hump it's a difference then, it, then, mo- then mo- they, 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 he will bring a return that's possible double couple double A players uh you, you probably just get one I mean I, seriously I, you're just not gonna get much for a 39 year old guy who's got a, a, a kind of history of injuries as he as he's had 
pitchers are just so much more valuable. What did the Rangers give up when they for Carlos Beltran? The Rangers gave up their former first-round pick. The fourth, the fourth player fourth pick of the, the draft. draft. They'd already given up on him, yeah. which is crazy. Uh, how in one year you given up on the fourth pick of the draft is beyond me, uh, Dylan Tate. Uh, he has gone to the, uh, to the Yankees yeah. and supposedly has rediscovered his fastball. And, uh, and uh, you know, I don't know. But, I, but I, my point is I would think that Beltre would have more value does he have an Beltran. old trade clause? The Beltrade? No. Well, I, I don't know if he does or not, but he would waive it. Uh, he he's he has made it clear to them that he wants to to finish on a winner, and uh, he okay. does not. He is not interested in a rebuild. Well, now, and, and you said this too. You started this conversation by saying if the the Rangers aren't in this race at the All Star break, yes. Do you believe if is the right way to phrase? I mean, do you believe? Do you see a scenario where they're still competitive at the All Star break? It, it, that, and that's a good question because I, I I think they I think it's possible. I don't think they will be, but I think it's possible they could be. Because here's the thing: um, let's say that Cole Hamels, who has said, and when I, I talked to him last week, when he he said that he had uh, worked on certain things to correct the problems he had last year. He started out the year really struggling with his fastball command. He's, and he, now, frankly, he's still struggling with it now, uh, and, and everything moves off the fastball. You know, he's got a great changeup, and and uh, and, and th- that's it. You know, those are his outpitches. But if, without the fastball, none of the rest of it means anything. So we'll see. Let's say Cole Hamels bounces back. Let's see Martin. You know, I've not been a big believer in Martin Perez, mm-hmm. but I tell you what, I love the attitude he had this spring. You know, he had the little fall in the in the uh, in the out there with the the bull and knocked him off the fence. Little? And he, yeah. yeah, a little bit broke his. Broke he had his the own. ultimate revenge though. Yes, he did. He <laughs> ate that bull. That's a great story, isn't it? He ate it. I love that story. But here's the thing. To, to me, the problem with if you, if you ever talk to Martin Perez, the problem has always been not the stuff, which is not great, but it's pretty good. Uh, is the mental side of it? He's so fragile. I mean, you, you, they went with uh, Tanner Shepers. Uh, a few years ago on opening day, a, a reliever instead of Martin Perez, who was available. And mm-hmm. I criticized this move when they did that. And it led to the end of Tanner Shepard's uh, as a pitcher for the Rangers. And I think it did some damage to, to Martin Perez. But the reason they did that was because they just didn't think he was tough enough to start opening day. Opening day. Yeah. You know, that doesn't mean anything. It's fun, but it doesn't mean yeah. anything. So I think the fact that Martin has been so adamant about saying – you know, everybody kept saying, "Oh, he won't be ready for opening day because of the injury." And he kept saying, "No, no, no, I'm I'm going to be ready. I'm I'm ready to go." And you just never see that out of him. You never seen that kind of conviction from him. So I could, I'm going to leave my mind open about him and think that that maybe he makes that next step up. He's left-handed. Left-handers are a little slower to develop sometimes, and uh, I I think that if he were to step up and win 14, 15 games this year, you know, throw around 200 innings. Uh, th- that would that could really mean something. And Mike Miner, who's pitched, had a very good spring uh, and was a very good reliever for the for Kansas City last year, and they're trying to convert him into a a, a starter. He won't go deep into games. That's not the plan with him. Uh, then I and and then if all of these guys, you know, the, the lineup is good enough. You know, if if Odor bounces back, uh, if Gallo has another big year, if Mazzara has an, uh, has continues his progression. You know, they've got enough players everywhere else. You know, I, I like Delano DeShields at the top of the lineup. You know, there's enough there 
for everything to work, it's just that everything has to yeah. work. You know, the, the bullpen has to, to level yeah. out. These starters have to all play well. The lineup has to play well. If all those things happen, I think they could be in the running for the second wild card. See, you get that, that's my point. Getting back to David's question, what does being in contention mean? It's not really being in contention oh, to, win, you can't to win a the division. Astros, no. No, to win a division. It's, it's a, and this it, division it, is tough. Yeah, it's it's is, in contention for... A second postseason. Yeah, I, I, th- I will say this: they're not. Everybody is, is sold on the, the Angels, and they're always sold on the Angels because of always. the lineup. Yeah, uh, but they never have enough pitching. You know, we talk about the Rangers' lack of pitching. The Angels never have enough pitching. You know, and so, and then the Mariners have not been able to put anything together. And then, and, you know, Oakland's better. It's a really good division, mostly because of the Astros, uh, who are dominant. But you know. Dallas Keuchel has been kind of up and down from year to year lately. Uh, you know, who, who knows what Justin Verlander is going to do? You know, he was great in the postseason last year. That's who he is. But in the regular season, he wasn't that great. So uh, we'll we'll see what what happens. I don't think it's. Just, I think it's too much to ask that everything works out right for these guys. There's potential there to be a, a contending team. It's a little bit of my problem with the fact that they pulled the plug on it. I in my estimation because. I didn't think it was that far away. I think they just felt like, yeah, we can make ourselves better. We could probably get that second wild card, uh, but you know, or at least be a better contention for it. But we're not going to beat the Astros, mm-hmm. and I think they just decided to do, to do this. It's probably you know the, the the right thing to do. Hard for the fans to stomach it. You know, I don't know. Uh, it, it's, a, it's such a long season, and to, and to go through all that, and then you know the thing is. Uh, Everybody says, oh, just do what the Astros did and do what the Cubs did then. You know how no. hard that is to do that? You know, and the baseball drafts are so iffy and it's so hard to get those guys and to hit on those guys. And then you go through all the pains of that. You know, in Houston, listen. Some how many of those, hundred lost seasons did they have in a row? Three uh, or four. Three, I think. And, uh, you know, and, and they were – they were awful, and the, and they drove the fan base away, and and those fans didn't come back almost until middle of last year. The Cubs were a little different. The Cubs are insulated from that because of what their persona is the and their top. following. Right. And it was you could actually, on some level, on some marketing level, you could buy into it. Right, but. What other franchise can really do that? And like you, like you said, I mean, it really hurt the Astro no, fan base. I mean, it really softened that fan base. And and you can say, well, all it takes is them getting back here, and now all's forgotten, and you move forward. But you know, that's a pretty big financial hit for for three years. When? And and again, you just don't have the ardent fans that you you know maybe they come back, but it's not it's not ingrained, and that's a different sort of fan going forward. No, it, it does weaken your base, David. Really when, sure. David, when do the Cowboys when does Cowboys camp open? Uh, training camp? Yeah. It's going to be around, I have not set the date yet, but it'll be around July 23rd, 24th. Okay. The, the, we'd hate for that to be what everybody's looking forward to this summer. But it, but it will be. But it could it will be. be. And, and, and listen, in this market, it is last, anyway. last year. Last year, it kind of, I mean, where mm-hmm. the Rangers were then, it was basically, okay, That's let's let's get to, and again, the Cowboys were coming off the 13-3 and three season then, so right. it was a different, you know. But yeah, yeah, it, it could be. Hey, and and with what we've seen, how the stars are ending the season here, and and you know the Mavericks aren't going to, and at that point, if the Mavericks didn't get, say they don't move up at all, and they get like a, a an eighth pick or something like that, I mean, Brutal. this could be, people could just be, oh my gosh, you know, it's all going to be forward looking. Then it's just going to be okay, the next team that comes online that has a chance, and it'll be the Cowboys. You know? It may help the draft is out here. NFL draft. Oh well, you know that's a buzz for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. that's that's so, it, that's in April, and then well, that's April. <laughs> 
Yeah, there's not much to disguise all this, and it's a, it's a brutal thing to go out there every day when there's nothing happening. And how uh, great was it those years that the you know whatever it was the, the Rangers? It, there was a different bounce in 2010, 2011. The, the 11, yeah, when, yeah. But even even in the late nineties, when when the Rangers, when the seasons meant something in September, it's like there's a pep in everybody's step, or at least in my step. Which well, is there's listen. I I I don't think any postseason beats. Uh, baseball right because it, because it moves so fast the games are played every other day and you're playing yep. them and you're going and it's just it's just a lot of fun to be part of all that it's there cooler. aren't too many games no they're all like you say it's every day and there aren't that there just aren't too many to keep up with no in, in, in hockey and and you know nba yeah. you have so many series in those early right. rounds you're just kind of it's it's almost chaotic oh, and, but and you it, don't even have that in baseball it's it's just, really you, know, you, you look forward to going home or i look forward to going home and turning on the tv and and, and watching the rangers because every game meant something it was unbelievable yeah but, yeah but if you do hockey or nfl you're going home and you're saying okay for the next 43 days i'm going right, to turn the NBA, on the game yeah, yeah. <laughs> 40 you know? right 43 and that's what days it is that. i mean that's what you're talking about yeah it's a big difference so I don't know. I for, I've forgotten what that's like here anyway, so <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's not. It's not. A, we're not a big sports town anymore. Now we're just kind of hanging in there. I I, I think that. Uh, and see, here's the other problem for to me for the Rangers is that John Daniels has said uh, when he's trying to disguise all this. Well, we're uh, we we're committed to playing our younger players and going with the younger players. Well, here's the thing: you were already committed to your younger players. You know, Joey Gallo was already going to play first base if you'd had the greatest rotation in baseball. Rugi Odor was going to play second base, and Omar Mazar was going to play right field. Those were all givens. But They're you all, have to say, I mean, that's I you mean, have I to get say, it. But yeah, I, but. I get it. But here's the thing: you, it's not like see, because here's the thing in the with the pitchers. Then this is, and they're, they're doing the right thing, but nobody's getting any experience. They're mm-hmm. in the pitching staff. Martin no. Perez was already there. Cole Hamels was already there, and all the guys you brought in are guys who will not be here two years from now. Mm-hmm. So, so no one is gaining any experience. Well, you, you didn't want to bring up any of your young guys and, and plug them in the rotation and watch them suffer and not be prepared for that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that this is basically they're just treading water here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think by getting these pieces, what they were hoping, they've had some success. They had some success last year. They took Tyson Ross. And they took uh, Andrew Kashner as, as two pitchers and hoping that one of those guys would hit. And the wrong guy, not the wrong guy hit, but well, the guy I mean, they, Ross yeah. had the higher upside of the two, but Kashner was pretty good. Oh, he was great. Yeah. So I think what they're, what they're going to do now is, all right, we're going to take all these guys. And then at the trade deadline, if we're out of it, we can sell them off, sell mm-hmm. off these parts, and we can, we can get ourselves some prospects. And they're, try, they're still trying to build back that farm system that was kind of uh, ravaged by all the, the deals that they made when they were still contending. Um, and I think it was interesting about that. We always say that it's interesting to look around baseball and say, okay, now where are those guys? Well, the, the Phillies do have several guys who are they're counting on. Jorge Alfaro is going to be their starting catcher. Nick Williams could be their starting right fielder. You know, uh, uh, they've got Jared Eikhoff who's going to be in the rotation now. So that's three guys. Uh, and for a, for a team that is now being considered as a wild card uh, contender in Philly. And meanwhile, back here uh, – <laughs> Cole Hamels lived up to his end of that deal, uh, but it hasn't. It didn't bring the returns that they they hoped. They hoped it was going to push them over the edge. It did not. It cost them some real prospects. If they had, you know, and listen, I'm I'm the guy who campaigned for Cole Hamels, so I can't mm-hmm. complain about that. But if they still had Jorge Alfaro, if they still had Nick Williams, if they still had Jared Eikhoff, and uh, you know, and the other other parts of that deal, you know, their their future would look brighter. 
you you can't you can't criticize them for those kind of deals when they were going for it and they and they did get a, a good return. They didn't always that didn't always happen, especially in the deals they made with Chicago. Barry's trying to shop on his iPad over here. Could you talk about something else? No, yeah. I, no, no, no. I'm not trying to shop. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated oh, what, what, by the shoot. This is. <laughs> This this is unfortunately what happens on my iPad. I'm trying to read about the shooter in Austin. Oh, okay. Well, Lord knows we wouldn't want you to read about that later, perhaps. No. Um, I want to go back to something. Thanks we, for being present. Yeah. For, yeah. And well, not that we just want to give up, on, but at the end of this little podcast, you talked about the the, the lottery. David, uh, former NBA writer. Uh, so uh, what have you got here? Uh, if you if you're the Mavericks. And let's say let's say that they get better than eight. Let's say they mm-hmm. get in the top five. Six, yeah, five, uh, six, seven. Yeah, yeah. Let's say uh, so. So first of all, give me who you think are your top five lottery picks. Not in order, but who who are the guys you think are? Well, you have three post players in there, which is unusual, and then yeah. I think you have a couple of wing guys. Yeah. So I, I think they're they're really looking in that range. You're looking at uh, shooting guard, small forward. You know, yeah. which I think is what they. Again, they need to get more athletic on the perimeter. And for where they are, you just take, you know, the obviously the best guy. I know that's trite. But, I mean, they need to – they just need to get talent in there that they can build with, and then you can supplement the team from there with free agency or whatever. They're not going to – you know, because you're going to have some quality uh, veteran free agents who are are power forwards or, or serviceable centers – going forward but you have no chance to get them in free agency unless you have enough talent on the perimeter where they're going to want to come so i think you can i see i i think they are now that they have their point guard in dennis smith jr who who i really like and i think that's someone you can turn the team over to for this for this generation you know for this he's it he's it he better be it and yeah (laughs) and i think you've seen enough where i think you're you're comfortable that he is going to be it and he puts you in the up He's going to be the upper echelon as far as uh, uh, point guards in this league. Good enough that you can win with. So, uh, to me, they're at the best stage. That, now, it's a frustrating stage for fans, <laughs> but they're at the best stage of their development because they can take a player at any of the other four positions yeah. other than point guard and then build their team from there. They're not – they don't have to take a specific – other again, I think it'll be repetitive taking a point guard here, and that's the problem. I think if you fall too far back, you're looking at another point guard in that range with like Trey Young, Trae Young and, and those guys. Um, so I, they don't want to. I, I think two spots here is crucial for them because I think if they don't get in sure. that top six or seven. You're looking at well, then point guards are all the best players, and how does that? How is that going to help you going forward? Then they're in a bind, but. If they get up there where it's you know they can take a small forward or a shooting guard, um, look th- then that just determines how you build the team going forward. So I-, I think it's a great spot for them to be in, and that they can really take any of four positions. And then you start then you start looking a little more methodically at the end of next year going forward. Okay, now how do we? How do we build this nucleus now? Because this is who we have in place. We had Fran Fraschilla on last week. Was it last week or week before? Well, last week we had Chuck Cooper. You weren't here last week, but David and Chuck, I had oh, Chuck on. Two weeks ago, we had Fran Fraschilla on, and he and I was surprised by his pick. He he loves Jaron Jackson, right? Because yeah. he's a great shot blocker. And, doesn't like Euro. Uh, and he does not like a Luka Doncic. Uh, no, uh, and and I'm surprised by that because to so me, Mo Bamba is going to be in the Mavericks range he, round. He, in there. he wasn't See, a big fan of Mo Bamba, yeah, and, and there there are people. 
are kind of split on him, but he should be in that. He should be in that five to seven range. I'm, five, I'm telling you range. right now. I think the, here's what I think, and I'm gonna I'm gonna write this this week. I think is that you're gonna. I think the guy something you're gonna write, and that's something you already wrote. I th- yeah. Wow. I think the guy that they should take if he's available, and if I think they had the first pick, I'd take him is Bamba. I think that he has the most potential of all those guys, and this team needs to hit a home run. This team doesn't need to take a guy who's just going to be – like Jaron Jackson, I think, is going to be a very good player and, and I think a very nice player. They need a guy who's going to be a, a superstar, and I think that Bamba has that potential. He's if You put up another 20 pounds on him mm-hmm. uh, and because of the reach. I believe they – I read somewhere that he if he puts his uh, hand straight up over his head, it's 9-6. Uh, is, is his reach? It's right. just just uh, incredible, you know, the kind of uh, range he has and, and what he what he brings to the table. Uh, you know, he's got a nice shot. You know, he's. You know, I'm sure people would question the motor and and uh, and obviously the fact that he is so slender. But mm-hmm. when you're as big as he is, he doesn't really have to do a whole lot. You know, he's blocking shots flat footed. Sean know? Bradley was bigger than him, wasn't he? Are you comparing him to Sean Bradley now? Well, you, you're you, Sean Bradley was big. Sean Bradley was tall. No, I, first athletic all, was not a yeah. That was your part. No, I, I understand. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying. And Sean Bradley that. did not have a shot either. He did not shoot three pointers. I don't want Mo Bamba shooting three pointers from from, from my team. But I, I see what you're saying, and you're, you're right. You're thinking about centers from 1984. No, I'm, that's what you're thinking. No, about. you don't want your center. Th- that's what centers do in the NBA today. They play outside in. The Mavericks cannot rebound. They play like Ralph Sampson, who was ridiculed when he played that way. That's right. Absolutely. Ralph Sampson, if he came out today, oh, Ralph Sampson would be completely a, different a, perception. a star. Yeah. Absolutely, he would be. That's absolutely yeah. right. So, and he was pretty good back then. He was, the unfortunate thing for Ralph was everybody thought he was going to be but a Jabbar, right, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and he was not that. But, uh, you know, I, I just feel like that this is a guy. That's a big gamble. I'm just, I it was going to tell you, it's, it's, it's a, a huge gamble. It's a gamble. I'm not saying you're not right. But it's a huge gamble. It's, I think that, you got to take a that bust, and, and, it's or a, and it's a gamble. Boom. It's yeah. a gamble on guys that size too. When you take a, a guy that size that early after one year in college, and go, you know what? You don't. Sometimes you don't see the player he's going to become until he's at the end of the contract. When you let him go, when, when he's gone, else. when so because, he's gone, yeah. because it when, takes when, longer when to develop. play for the Lakers. Whereas no a, a true perimeter guy, a small forward or a, a shooting guard, you can see that right away, and there's more of an impact. But now the other side of that is their upside is limited, unless you're the right. LeBron or something like that. I mean, you're you know, and so. Um, yeah, it is a big gamble. So then they have to sit there and go, okay, do we want to gamble? And you know what? It's also a, a good strategic gamble if you say, you know what? We're convinced this guy has an upside. We're not going to see it for two or three years, which means we plug him in, develop him, and we're going to be bad again, and we're going to get another. Right. You know, we, we're back in this position again next year. Right. They need so to be in the lottery. You can only be on that lottery treadmill so long. Right. I mean, you, can only sell that. On it. you can only sell that. Minnesota was on it for like nine years. Yeah. yeah. yeah Same with the Lakers, yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. Jonathan, who, who would, if you had your choice of anybody coming into this lottery, who would you take? Uh, well, I guess, um, I mean, it depends on what I need. Yeah. Um, for the Ranger, for the Mavericks. For the Mavericks. This is um, a Ranger I, podcast. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> we, we blew that off. <laughs> I think, uh, I think for the Mavericks being in the Western Conference, um, there's really not, uh, that many, like, uh, dominant centers. It's more of a lot of four and fives. Um, I think, uh, I, honestly for them, I don't think, I think Michael Porter Jr. would be, um, 
a decent pick actually. Even though he didn't play he didn't a lot, play a lot he was this injured. year. Yeah, yeah. I, and when he and when he has played recently, I I've, I watched him and boy, he's certainly limited. And you you can't make any judgment based yeah, on it's that. Hard, it, it, it's really hard to tell. Yeah, there you know there's a lot of guys like you know Marvin Bagley. Yeah. There's a feeling is is that you know is he a tweener? You know, is there's he, a question on him. I mean, the Arizona guy's going to go number one. There's yeah. no question. Yeah. Uh, Aiton, uh, yeah. and, and he's a, a tremendous physical. I mean, you just look at him and he looks like oh my gosh. You you, you can imagine uh, he looks to me and it, it, putting another twenty pounds on him. It's like Dwight Howard. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. He, he's just a monster. So. Uh, the, the, I think that he is clearly the number one pick. I think that is the guy that the uh, that will will go number one. No question, no yeah. matter who it is, and then everybody falls in after that. Uh, I just uh, I guess it depends on where you're picking. Sure, I, I think here's the thing to remember when you when you said about what your need is. I, I'm a believer. If you're in the you're picking in the top five and it's a five person you know draft, I'm taking the best guy. I don't care where he plays. Right. You know, if if Trey Young had not fallen off so far the map this year, and the and it came to the Mavericks and all those and then let's say they were five and Trey Young was still there at five and he was still had played all year like he had the first half of the year, I'd take him. You know, I don't I don't care about the Dennis Smith thing. I'd see if it worked, and if that didn't work, and then I'd tell somebody, and I'd, and I'd try to move trade, on. That's the other thing. I mean, if there, yeah, if, you, the if there's a big gap, I, I think you definitely do that. And uh, and look, you know, th- that's the thing, and, and that's where it's so hard to evaluate a lot of times on bad teams. Players will have some decent stats on bad teams because someone has to get stats. Right. right. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that was you, always just, my... you just have to. You, you, you'll have a guy who's 20 points, but you put him on a good team, they're a 12-point – they're really, truly a 12-point guy as far as their contribution and what they can give you. So, I mean, that's the other thing. But, again, the Mavericks are in that position where, yeah, take the talent – because you know those guys are still going to get stats, and you still have them up at a level where you can trade them and maybe move them yeah. for, for something you need if there's a big drop-off. But I, I just don't think where they're going to pick, there's going to be a big drop where a point guard is going to be so much better than a small forward or shooting guard that no. they say, no, we're not going to do it. And, and you know, to, to me, the, the Bagley-Mobamba discussion would be a fascinating one because I think – Bagley's more accomplished now, but right. I think Bamba has the bigger upside right now. So are you going to settle? I mean, I don't want to say settle, but are you comfortable going with a guy who, well, we kind of know what he is. Um, Bamba maybe at his best won't be better than Bagley, but at his best could be much better. Right. You but know, you know, <clears throat> and you don't know where he's going to fall in that. And no. How he develops, but all know? the guys, most of the guys we're talking about are still freshmen. They have, they're up. Sure, they're, you know, we don't really yeah. know. We, they have time right. to develop also. Sure. So, well, you know, Bob is not the only, they, yeah. not the only freshman. Um, you but know. some guys and how they play the game, you can tell what their upside is or isn't as well. I mean, some are pretty, are already pre- playing at a pretty high level and aren't but, going to, but the, the, much the, more. But ba- Bagley has a long way to go. You, you know, his we talk, we've talked about his, his defense is more. If, sure. he, if he improves all that, you know, you, you got him. Uh, I'm not. I wouldn't be so fast to dismiss Jaron Jackson, though. No, no. I, I mean, Fran knows what he's talking about. I'm not going to say that <laughs> the guy is not any good. I mean, because he fits exactly what the Mavericks need. He's a rim protector, you right. know, and so and, and a rebound, and a rebound. So that's a great. thing. But I'm saying is that the look, the Lakers are going to make a run for LeBron, right? They're going to dump everybody on that run. Julius Randle's gone. You know they're gonna. You know, he's it, played it, pretty good lately. Would though. you like to? See, yeah, but, but he has good. to go if they want. If, if they, they go, yeah. so, so, so there's a guy. If I were the Mavericks, I'd yeah. be. If the Mavericks, and, and that's a, like that's that? a big guy right. who you you struggled with for a couple of years, and now in a short 
portion of the season is starting to show you something and you're getting intrigued by it. You know, that, yeah. That's what you, that, to me, the Mo Bambas of the world, that's what they're going to be. You go with them for two years and you go, oh my gosh, I haven't seen much here. And then you'll see, and that's why it's so hard to, to, to hold on to those guys too, because you'll see, you know, 10, 15 games where, wow, look at this. Now, if they can just do that over a season, but then they'll kind of go back to, you know, I mean, you don't, you never grow that 10 to 15 game stretch into a 60 game stretch or a 70 game stretch. Well, that's, and that's a, what, and that's still a question with Randall too. I mean, he's been great these last 20, 21 games. You play for his this, contract? Yeah, but this is, to... this is it right now. And, and look how long he's been in the league. So, yeah. You know, that's tough. Dale Harris told me that one time about Tito Horford. He said, I, you know, Al Horford's dad, he said, I talked about the fact that, you know, Tito, had a body a little bit like Aiton's, you know, just tremendous physical space. He looked like a, a 6'1 guy who weighed 180 pounds who'd been stretched out to, mm-hmm. you know, seven feet tall. He was just tremendous physical presence and athleticism. And he and I talked about it. He was being a bust, and he said, nah, he because you know what? That was our fault because he went to Milwaukee, and Dell was in Milwaukee then. He says, we we didn't do a good job with him. He said, we, we should have – we, if we'd have brought him along right and been patient with him, I think he would have been. A, I think he would have been just as good as his son was, and that, and that was quite an admission by Dell. And that's what that. I give Carlisle while he doesn't. Well, people question his patience with young guys. I mean, I think he's committed to bringing them along the way he feels they need to in order to succeed in the league. And if that means you don't play him a lot as a rookie, because you make him earn it in practice, they do it. So I mean, there's there's some. Again, there's a fine line there because you can't you can't squash a guy's spirit and right. not give him any chance to develop. But, but on another note, real quick, we're talking about the guys in the lottery, and we're talking about well, look, maybe in this five to eight range. What if Mark Cuban had not made the comments he did on Julius Irving's podcast? Have you what is the count? What is the Mavericks record? Since he made those comments, winning percentage versus what it was before, are you, are you saying they would have continued to lose? Well, he put a, he put him in a position. He put him in a position where every single move they make or don't make is analyzed. Sure, and it's like, okay, do you really need to set Dennis Smith Jr. down for three games here? You know, why isn't he playing? Oh, is this guy? You know, is Wesley Matthews really? You know, he he just he complicated the issue so much by articulating that that I think it really did alter how they uh, approach it. It put, them in a, it put them in a no-win situation because everyone could interpret their moves as tanking sure. the rest of the way, even with legitimate injuries. And he did, he did the franchise such a disservice, in my mind, by putting that, by putting that emphasis on them to finish out the and, season. And, and Dirk said that out loud. Yeah, Dirk he said, said that. He Dirk said, said it that. jokingly, but he was serious. He said Mark ruined it for us. And he did. Uh, yeah. Is there any possible chance the Mavericks lose their pick? I, I think there's a chance, but I don't think they will. I think it's very. I think it's slim because because again, that I, would signify I, the death knell for the franchise. Well, but, well, didn't they? Didn't they? I'm what, talking about over, over the. But uh, didn't they go four and four after the tanking? The sec, I'm talking about the sexual, sexual harassment. harassment allegations. Uh, on top of the tanking comments. Now that there's the, there's I think a face that investigation is going to go beyond this draft. So yeah. if they lost a pick, I think it'll be in the future, not in this draft. Yeah, I, I think the same thing. And I think too, I think the NBA has to look at this like if we do this, we are doing serious damage to this franchise and to that market and to those fans. It's kind of like the NCA did with SMU. Yeah, I just think that when you do that kind of thing, you can, if you want to tell Mark he has to sell the team. 
you know, do that if you want to do if you want to really punish them. Suspend them for a year, or suspend them for a year. Contact the franchise for a year. Absolutely, do that, but don't don't punish the fan base. I think that's always backwards when when organizations do that kind of thing. It, that's you're you're punishing the wrong people. Look at what the NFL did with Sean Payton. Now that now they took Spix away, but it was basically like they told Sean Payton go, go away ahead. for a year. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that's probably what could happen. You could do the same with an it's owner. It's, it's, well, but it's different. The politics is different than doing it with an owner sure. than doing it with a coach. Sure. Yeah. No question. And 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 a litigious owner who may yeah, <laughs> yeah. who may challenge that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. We've uh, ter- managed to turn so, our so baseball I, I podcast like into I like a, the way you did that podcast. I like the way you did that. So when we when we post this, this will be posted as a baseball and Ma- uh, Rangers and Mavericks. Yeah, podcast. which is a combo podcast. Like we planned it. Yeah, combo podcast. How can the listener tell apart though? Yeah, but you know, ba- basically, there's not. Of course, much. you're also <laughs> assuming they listen this long. <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, or maybe we should break. Maybe this we, has gone on forever. Maybe we should break this up into two podcasts. Oh, maybe. No. I don't think there's any maybe no, about it. Well, let's let's left to bigger minds than ours. All right. We had besides this, we also had David talking about the Cowboys and the and the upcoming draft and uh, and free agency and the lack of free agency here in this in this market. And uh, what they need most and, and what the, they need most. The offensive and line. We had Tim Brando talking about the Sweet Sixteen and the fact that he has got the Aggies going to the Final Four. Yeah, uh, I don't think any of us have the Aggies going to the Final Four. I did, but. But I got you, you make, ignored me. I got you did not. <laughs> I did. I wrote it down. I here. think you lied when you said that. You wrote it down who today. Say, who, who was your final four? Oh, I didn't, I didn't have A and M. Nobody had A and M going to the final four. After Tim Brando said it, you wrote it down. Yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> you, did, you don't have him going to the final four. He convinced now, me. Tim, Br- yeah, he I do. Convinced he he convinced okay. me. I had Kentucky A and M. I had the two SEC teams that he had. Yeah, that, that's a tougher. Listen, Tech's got a tougher side of the bracket. Than oh, A&M absolutely. Does. Uh, that's going to be very much very but difficult. Tech, for Tech's Tech, the team it? I'm enjoying the most in, in this. In this yeah. yeah, I really like Keenan Evans a lot. But you He's can't really minimize good. beating North Carolina yeah. where they did the way they did. I could, I mean, I, they I, were I could see it now. Impressive. I could see it now. I, I could see the quotes after the game. We let it left it all on the court. Against North Carolina, I can see. Well, it I, I I agree with Tim. I think what can go wrong here for A and M is that we haven't been in this position before. Yeah, we, yeah. and you know, this we, is, is yeah. are we are we going to let the stage? You know, we we played our national championship us. game last week, sure. last Sunday right. against in, in in Carolina against North Carolina. I could I could I I could see it now. Yeah, it's possible. And then we also just finished our podcast talking about the Rangers and talking about the Mavericks and the Or which might be two podcasts which by the time be, Who knows how many. It could be four. It could be ten podcasts by the time this is all over. <laughs> who knows? It's, fortunately, we don't get paid by the podcast. You know, fortunately. You know, well, if we got paid by the podcast, we, we, we'd be doing... 32-minute podcast. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a thought. Let's do that. And we also had as our guest today, Jonathan Williams, our UNT shadow today, uh, following us around. Uh, this will be probably after lunch will be the end of it. He didn't need to be following us around after this. It's he's, not, he's not following us around. He's <laughs> just put him in, he's in, a, sitting, in a seat. He had to let him move for like two and a half hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's following. He should get three hours credit just for this. <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah. Three hours credit? That'll be $4,500, please. Yeah, no kidding. That goes more than that. <laughs> Is it really? It's more than that? More than $1,500 of credit these days? Oh, who knows? It's, it's, in there. it's an area. Yeah, oh it's in the area. God. That's what I say. Very rich area. All right. On behalf of everybody, I'd like to say everybody in here to everybody out there. Thank you very much. Oh, you 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 you're, you've got the uh, yeah. you've got your new farewell. There it is. Bye. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.